Amen. If you will, church, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Our text for today will be verses 16 through 21. 16 through 21. I'm always thankful for you and thankful for you being here today. Uh, many of you here, many of you via our live stream, we're thankful uh, however you've chosen to join with us this morning. You know, we may be the best tanned church in the county. I don't know. Um, it's getting warm. I'm looking forward to going back inside, uh, Lord willing, in a few weeks. Today will be the test of all tests. And so thank you for being with us this morning. Let's turn our attention now to um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. I'm going to begin in verse 16 and read through verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, but puts it on a nightstand, or, or, and, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. And his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd, and he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we open your word? Would you help us to indeed hear it and do it? For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you know, sometimes we are hard of hearing, literally, but also spiritually. And even if we're not hard of hearing, literally, sometimes we are in the bad habit of hearing something, but not really hearing it. I don't know if you're like me, some of you guys perhaps, you're given instruction to go to the store, and you come back from the store missing some items. How do you know you've truly listened or heard someone? Again, this could show up in a number of different areas of our life, whether it's being asked to pick up something from the store or being asked to do a chore or clean a room or maybe you've been asked to do a certain favor. How do you know you've truly listened to someone? How do you know we've, when you've truly heard someone? Well, I think the simple answer and obvious answer to that is by whether or not we respond by doing the exact action requested of us. We think about the unlimited examples in the scripture, or excuse me, in our own lives where that could be the case, but then we turn our minds and our hearts towards the scripture, and we could ask the same question. How do you know you've truly listened to the Lord? How do you know you've truly heard God? I just read the scripture just a moment ago, and so I hope you heard it. How do you know if you've truly heard it? How well do you listen to God's word? How do you know if you've simply given a head nod to it or if you've truly read, processed, and heard God speak? You simply listen and affirm the truth with an amen or do you listen and affirm the truth by doing what God has called us to do. 
Well, here in our text this morning, Jesus is exhorting his followers to take care how they listen to God's word. And that's really the call this morning is, um, that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to today. We must hear and heed and obey God's word. We must take care how we listen and respond to the truth. And we're thankful in the providence of God this morning that we have a short passage. And you say that's never stopped you before, but it will perhaps stop me today from going too long because it is warm. And so I want to walk us through three reasons briefly this morning why we must hear God's word, why we must take heed to receiving God's word, taking care how we hear it. Three observations about God's word this morning that we see from this text. First of all, we see that God's word is a word that illuminates. It's a word that illuminates. If you go back to verses 16 and 17, he's talking about lighting a lamp, and he's building right out of the parable of the sower. And as he's doing that, Jeremy preached that last week, the parable of the soils, we could say, the four different types of soils, of how God's word falls upon the heart, whether or not it falls upon the good soil and produces fruit. And building right out of that, he gives this proverb. Some say it's a parable. It could be a parable. It could be a proverb. Point being is that it's another way for Jesus to make his point clear. And it's a simple and straightforward point he makes in verse 16 and 17. He basically says, you do not turn on a lamp and then cover it up. That would be nonsensical to do that. And certainly in that day and time, he's talking most likely about an oil-burning lamp, maybe a candlestick, but likely an oil-burning lamp because of the reference to the stand there in the text. And again, it would be ridiculous to have an oil-burning lamp only to cover it up or to put a bowl over it, to put it aside, because it would defeat the purpose. The purpose of the lamp is to illuminate a room, to give sight in the midst of darkness. And I know that that illustration could be a bit lost on us today because we don't have oil lamps. And all we have to do is flip a switch, right? Even when it grows dark, even when it's dark, we aren't limited today like people were back in Jesus' day or even just a few hundred years ago, a hundred years ago or so. But in a culture where you did not have electricity, your entire life, would have been dependent upon the rising and setting of the sun. And when it grew dark, you had very few options to have lights. Think about that today. Today, we pave roads, we watch ball games, we shop, we eat out, and we do a host of other things in the dark because we have lights. But in a day when no such conveniences were available, you could see the importance of this example. Light was a valuable commodity, and it wasn't to be wasted. That's the point that he's making. Certainly, he's making application there, and he's illustrating this in regards to the truth, the the word of God. The same is true with Jesus' teaching. Its purpose is to illuminate, to shine into darkness, to bring truth to bear. Its function is just that, to make visible that which was formerly hidden by the darkness. The light of Jesus' message was intended to be heard. He is the one who makes the way to God possible and available, and that's the point that we're making here. The light is somehow hidden, then it's because of the bad soil. See the parable above. Not because the message somehow is unavailable. 
You also note the clarifying comment in verse 17 where it says Jesus' message reveals hidden things and exposes. It's a promise that one day all will be made manifest by God, that the truth and light will win out, and that the purpose of the light is to reveal the darkness, to reveal sin so that sinners are driven to the light that they may find hope and life. See, Jesus is giving this both as a statement of fact and a warning. God's message, his standard, his revelation will be maintained, revealed. It it will be confirmed to the end. So we must be careful stewards of this light. Friends, it's a call for us to see the light as a good and kind provision of God. That our hearts would be like the good soil because God will evaluate our response to his light. See, the context here is to his disciples and to the crowd. It's point being made for the, the masses. And friends, it's just a, yet another reminder that if you are here today or you're watching via our live stream, and you've yet to respond to the light, you've yet to respond to the goodness of God and his sending of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to be the savior of sinners, then it's yet another reminder to look to the light because Jesus, we're told in John, is the light of the world. He is the hope given to us. He is the one who comes into the darkness and exposes the, the, the horrors of who we are in our sin. And he is the one who came to bear the penalty for our sin so that all who would look to him by faith would be saved and forgiven and brought into this family. He is the light of the world. He came to bring hope in the midst of darkness. And friend, I would just ask you today, have you responded to the light? Have you? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins? for the redemption of your soul. Friends, make sure you're looking to that light. He came to bring hope, and that hope is available for you. Fellow believers, if you have trusted in the light, make sure that you are continuing to be illuminated by the light. There are a lot of so-called lights trying to buy for your attention. Make sure you are being illuminated by the true light. God's word was meant to be received, not not, not put aside or to, to have something cover it up. It was meant to be received so that it would illuminate our understanding in our lives so that we would be faithful to the Lord. Don't cover it up. There's a, many different ways we do that today, isn't there? We have the light. It'd be like living in a house and we never use the light switch. Turn on the light so that we can see our way around and navigate carefully and And that would be foolish, wouldn't it? And yet, how many times our Bibles remain closed? We have been given light. Don't cover it up. Make sure, also Christians, that you are faithfully pointing others to this light. This is their only hope. It is the true light. Don't lose sight of that. So it's a word that illuminates. Number two, it's a word that germinates. Verse 18 Jesus says, take care then, and this is really the the point he's driving home. He says, take care then how you hear. Why? Why does he say that? Well, he tells us why. For, or because, to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Take care, he says, how you 
hear. And the point he's making here is that one should not only hear, but he should hear carefully and respond accordingly. You must respond to the word when you hear it because of what it will do in you. And if you do not respond to the word when you hear it, it's also a testimony of what it will do in judgment of you. The idea here is that the one who responds and receives the word will be filled with further spiritual blessing. But the one who does not hear and respond will remain spiritually destitute. See, when the word of God takes root and germinates in the heart, the more of it you have, the more growth you will see, the more blessed you will be. And certainly contrary is true. That which you think you have, you won't have. See, God's word, God's truth is a message. It's a word. It's, a, it, it, it's that which is very essential to your own spiritual vitality. So, friends, fellow believers, pay attention to the word. He will hold us accountable to it. And our flourishing as God's people is dependent upon it. As God's people, we need more exposure to the light, not less. Think about this word Jesus gives and consider your own posture according to the scriptures. Think about your own response to hearing. How is your hearing? There are a variety of different kinds of hearers today. Some people listen and hear hardly at all. They may hear noise. They may read and hear as they're reading, but are they truly hearing? There's just a cursory glance or, or kind of a skimming over. You know, they, may, they, they might phase in and out during a sermon. Now you're back in, right? They, they, they may have their attention diverted as they're reading Scripture and they read the Bible. How many of you ever read the Scripture and, and you close your Bible and you say, I have no idea what I just read? You've not truly meditated upon the scripture. Some people listen and don't even hear. Surface level interaction with the word. There are others who listen, but they listen to be entertained. Some, some even come and gather with the church and, and they're basing, there's a lot of pressure on pastors, right? They're, they're basing whether or not they're coming back the next week just on how interesting and entertaining the preacher was, or the one speaking was. They're listening for entertainment. They're seeking out teaching for their itching ears. Make them feel good inside or about themselves. They're listening for the wrong reasons. Others listen to find fault with others. Think about the Pharisees. They would often do this to Jesus. They would often hear him, but they're trying to trap him in some way. Think about how that applies just in our own hearing. We, we hear and we're like, wow, I'm glad so-and-so's here today so that they could hear this. They really needed to hear that. Or they read the scripture in personal time and say, wow, you know, they don't make personal application, but they're immediately making application, application on behalf of others or to point out others' sin and shortcomings and failures. It's a very self-righteous approach. But some do listen in order to obtain true wisdom and out of a desire to please the Lord through their faithfulness. 
And that's what we're after. Let me, let me just ask this question. What's the last thing you've heard from God's word that you put into practice? What's the last thing you would say that God revealed to you in his word and led you to make a decision? Or it could be a myriad of things, an application. What, what, what is that? Can you recall that? Maybe this past week, what has God been showing you that has positively altered your affection for him? That has led you to some decision, that has led you to do something on behalf of someone else? What is that? The point I'm trying to make is that that should be a regular occurrence in our lives. And if we are scrambling to try to figure out what is the last thing that, that we've really been pressed towards in obedience to God through his word, if we're struggling to come up with that, it might be, it might be that God is showing us, even in thinking about a question like that, that we're not taking heed to carefully hear the word as we ought. Brothers and sisters, that ought to be a daily experience. We ought to be able to point daily of how God is teaching us something. Even if it's about a belief of who he is, that we would grow further and deeper in our understanding of the character and nature of God. Even if it's, even if it's that, glory be to God that we've been drawn closer to him. See, God's word is a light that shines into our lives. It's like a seed that germinates in our hearts that produces fruit. And the lack of fruit is, a, is, is pointing to a lack of hearing. The presence of fruit points to the existence of hearing. Brothers and sisters, remember this. Every time the word of God is encountered, whether by hearing it preached, studying it in personal time and devotion, every time the word of God is encountered, it is either working grace and good in you or it is exposing indifference and disobedience in you and me. We, we never would approach the scripture in some neutrality as if it's there for the, the taking. It's doing something. It's either growing us in grace or it's exposing the lack of. It's a word that germinates. God's word, that's what it's intended. It's intended to come into our lives and, and produce fruit. Go back to the parable of the sower in verse 15. And as for that good soil, they are those who in hearing the word, you hear that? Hearing the word, hold, fast, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. That is the intent of the word. Friends, are we hearing it that way? Not only is it a word that germinates, it's number three, a word that associates. You see that in verses 19 through 21. In verse 19, we have another brief description of the setting Jesus was in, surrounded by a large crowd such that his own family couldn't even get to him. And his mother, we're told in verse 19, and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And so someone finally gets word to Jesus, like, hey, your family's here. They'd like, to, they'd like to see you. And then notice Jesus's response. Verse 21, but he answered them, my mother and my brothers, they're those who hear the word of God and do it. It's important to note here that Jesus is not undermining or undervaluing the importance of family, blood relatives. The Bible has a lot to say about that. 
He's not saying that's a bad, he's not saying family's bad. His point is to highlight the importance, yet again, of hearing the word of God and obeying it. And that those who do, those who have been the good soil, those who have received the truth of God's word and have responded favorably to it and demonstrate that throughout the course of their lives through, through increased fruit, those are bound together in a way that highlights an eternal relationship and a new family that has been established and a new loyalty that is in existence. A couple of things we see here very quickly. First of all, this word associates us with Christ. It's a word that associates with Christ. Notice Jesus says, my family, my family. He's identifying himself with a particular group of people, not just his mother and his brothers, not just his true relatives. He's saying, my family. The ones I identify with are those who hear the word of God and do it. Notice the emphasis on hearing and doing. It's not merely enough to hear. You can hear God's word all day long. And friends, that, that's often the case in our lives. We hear it audibly. But hearing and doing is what God calls us to. You can hear God's word, but we're called to respond to it as demonstrated in the parable of the soils yet again we saw previously. That good soil that produces fruit. Hearing and doing. You haven't truly heard the truth of God's word until you have obeyed it. Now, you've heard me say this before and always appreciate your encouragement after sermons. Saying thank you, pastor, or whatever you know, the case may be. But I'm not here today to preach a good sermon. I'm not here today to hear you say, that was a good sermon. I'm, that's not why I'm here. That's not why we should be here. The reason we're all here is to be confronted with the word of God and say, wow, this is how great God is. Let's be faithful to that. Let's be those who hear and obey. That's why I've said to people before, they say it's a good sermon. I'll say, well, time will tell. Time will tell in all of our lives, not whether or not it was a good sermon, but whether or not we actually heard the word. It's germinating in our hearts. You see, in responding to the word positively, favorably, in faith and in confidence, we are identifying ourselves and Christ is identifying himself with us. We are saying, we're with him. And Jesus is saying, I'm with them. That's my family. Those have been recipients of the grace that God has given and those who I went to the cross to bear their sin, those are the ones I paid the price for and they have responded in faith to my word and these are the ones who are my family. Not only that, it's a word that associates us with other Christians. It associates us with Christ, but also with other Christians. Again, Jesus refers to family, his family, God's word. Our response to it often forges new affections and deeper bonds with those who aren't our relatives, naturally. Friends, Christianity is not an individual faith. We live in the West. We live in a, in a culture that prioritizes individualism. It's often the case. We experience that. We, we grow up with, with that all around us, that it's about us, and, and we think individually. Even when we're thinking about the Bible, we're immediately applying it individually, and we should do that. But we often forget that much of the, the Bible, much of the New Testament especially, was written to communities to congregations, to churches, to, to groups. And there's just as much 
group application as there is individual application. And so what we're seeing here is, again, the emphasis on this community of believers. Christianity is not an individual faith. When you hear the gospel and believe, you are believing in Christ, but you are now being brought into a community of other believers. The value of other Christians is something, friends, we cannot afford to overlook or ignore. If you are in Christ, and just look around you today, and if you're at home, there's people here, I promise. And friends, if you're here, there are people on the camera, in there somewhere, out there. This is a group. This is a family. These are not merely people you go to church with. These are family members that you belong to. people who you have the deepest bond with because you are united together in Christ. And certainly for those of you who are here, let's not forget about those who are on the other side of the camera. They are there. This is a unique time in which we're living and provides us unique responsibility, continued responsibility to each other, but in unique ways. We, we should still seek to understand the special obligation to one another that we have as Christians, even when we're apart. And we know that we bear special obligation to our own blood relatives. We, we do have those responsibilities. The Bible speaks to those responsibilities. But brothers and sisters, this is yet another reminder that there is a unique responsibility we have towards our spiritual family. And oftentimes, many times, there is a deeper bond and affection within the body of Christ than there is even with our blood relatives. Jesus is reminding us here that we have a loyalty to one another. He's not saying my family is unimportant. My bro- my bro- he's not saying my- tell my mother and brothers to go home. I don't want to talk to them. He's just redefining, in a sense, what family is. So remember that. We see the importance of hearing the word of God and obeying it, even in the context of Jesus talking about the community of believers. That's what he's talking about here in these verses, friends. He's talking about the importance of God's word, the light. It's a word that illuminates, it brings understanding, it shines into the darkness so that we see the depths of our sin and run to the light in hope. It's a word that germinates, it takes root in us and produces fruit for the glory of God and for our own good. And the more we get, the more we grow. The more we truly hear and and take care in our hearing, the more we will see take place in fruitful ways. And it's a word that associates. It it associates us with Christ. It associates us with those for whom he died, with each other. You know, you think about hearing. And it is embarrassing when someone has clearly communicated something to you And you have to go back and say, what did you say again? That happens to me on a regular basis. Somebody will tell me to do something or ask me to do something, and I'll say, okay, and five minutes later, I'll have to come back and say, what did you tell me to do? It can be embarrassing, depending on the context. Well, friends, we know that God has also spoken. And not only has he spoken... He's written it down. 
He's given us a copy of his instructions. He's, he's told us all we need to know. And he recorded it for us in his revelation. And Jesus simply tells us, take care in how you hear it. For it's in hearing and doing that you will bear fruit and prove to be my disciples and prove to be the very thing that God has called us to be. So each time we hear the word of God, remember this, it is either working in us fruit or it is exposing the lack thereof. It's a means of grace to enrich our lives or it is a tool of judgment to condemn us. Friends, how's your hearing? How's your hearing? Let's be thankful for this word and let's take heed in how we hear it. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this time where we can open your word. We're grateful that you have spoken and that you have spoken in clarity and that you have given and preserved your word throughout generations. We thank you, Father, that even today in this year, 2020, that we can look back to these words and be reminded of what you have given us, this light, this gift of grace. Father, would you help us to be a people, a church that continues to cherish and treasure your word? Would you help us to be people who are dependent upon it, who, who give ourselves regularly to it, that you might be glorified? Father, would you work in us that which we could never work on our own and would you help us to continue to be your people and that that would be demonstrated by our hearing and our doing of that which you have given us through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.